There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. You told me to start as quick as possible, and I did, and then I'm in trouble. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kessel, as always, looking at the beautiful Marcus Parks. Hello. We have Henry Zabrowski with us. Henry, you were recognized as, uh, for being the star of Heroes Reborn. Yeah, Well, buying what? Rubbers. <laughs> I was buying condoms at the store, and a man turned to me. And he was like, oh, shit, you quitting. Heroes Reborn. I was like, yeah, man, yeah. I'm glad you watched the show. And he's like, man. You fucking? And I was like, yep. <laughs> yes. Must yes, be. Yes, I am. <laughs> that yes, must sir. be. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Ultra thin. Stew? Is that stew? <laughs> Buying condoms? You fucking? <laughs> I always keep the you fucking. I was like, yep. Yes. <laughs> 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 Wicked to do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, you, you know it puts a skip on my step. But ding, 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 ding. And we danced in a circle, arm and arm, back and forth. <laughs> and then he robbed me. Isn't that nice? The celebrity lifestyle um, you're living. You can't even buy condoms without being harassed in the line. Speaking of fucking. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So today's <laughs> subject matter. I don't know if this is really either way sex is involved. I guess it's disgusting. Leonard Lake. And Charles Ng. 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 That's it. Ng, but pronounced Ng. This is where the white parts of us really show. Yeah. We're not really sure how to pronounce some of these Asian names, but I know it's Charles Ng. I know that they don't have, they don't have like a serial killer name, do they? No, neither one of them do. Which is very interesting because they're very particular. I think at one point they were called the video confession killers because as you're going to see, Leonard Lake and Charles Ng are that... Well, they're not the the necessary, sort of uh, serial killer you're really used to. These guys documented everything. And they yeah. did it the old-fashioned way on VHS tape, okay? <laughs> they didn't have their iPhone. They could just uh, upload it to iMovie to make a good smut film. But we figured for the Christmas season, what better to bring in the holiday that makes all of us, particularly me, feel the darkest emotions that I'll feel all year. I hate the holiday. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, December is a shitty month. It's full of tension. Everybody just wants you to fucking buy, buy, buy. We've had three shooters this this week, uh, and you know what? I'm not feeling that particularly jolly, so I don't want any of you to feel that way either. <laughs> All right, well, let's not mention the shooters anymore. It's an evergreen show. <laughs> All right, talking about the shooters are here to stay. Well, yeah, that's true. Actually, as a matter of fact, someone can listen to this five years from now and be like, there was three shooters this week. That's a good point, Henry. Uh, let's start it off. These guys, Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, they were partners in crime in at least 11 and at the most 25 murders over the span of just over a year from 1982 to 1983 in the San Francisco area. Now, Lake and Ng killed men, women, children, even two entire families, but they were focused mainly on imprisoning, torturing, and killing young women in the pursuit of creating what Leonard Lake named his M-Lady. Yeah, the Operation Miranda, he liked to call it after his favorite book, The Collector by John Foles. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I thought believe it was, it was called. I thought it was after my favorite Sex in the City character. She <laughs> <laughs> really butchered that name. That's the thing, is that some of those Mirandas were actually closer to a Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. Uh, they became Mirandas. Uh, this is a horrible story. Um, this this whole this is like Marcus and I were both talking about it. Dog meat and I both had to take de- several showers yeah. while researching this. This is uh, yeah. highly despicable. They fucking they killed babies. Charles Ng wrote, drew cartoons depicting the things they did to babies, whether they were satire or not. I mean, they were. 
Satire. They were funny looking <laughs> cartoons. They were funny. They were funny well, I don't, I don't, drawn. Satire is you know sort of defined by it not actually happening in real well, life. He drew. <laughs> there was one where literally he drew himself with a chef hat on it, and he had a chef hat on in it, and he was stereotypically Asian, and, and he was chopping up a baby, and was, he was literally going ding dong, killed a baby, oh oh oh, cooked a baby, cooked a baby. And again, we will not say that's stereotypically Asian. No, uh, no, that is stereotypically serial killer. <laughs> um, no, I mean he drew himself in a fashion. I see. He was racist against himself. I'm not racist. Good. Really, as we'll find with Charles Ng, one of the most stereotypically Asian people that has ever existed. And Very he smart. is he's a difficult man. Yeah. Um but these guys were real Bo Jacksons of the uh of the killer world. Jack of all trades. These huh? guys who I could really compare them to the most is the Toy Box Killer. This is the worst, most disturbing episode. As far as things that we have, journals, videos from these guys, this is the most disturbing thing that we're going to cover since the Toy Box Killer. And guess what? We're going to cover it a lot. And we're going to start right up top yeah. with Leonard Lake, a bit of a video blogger. Yes. Loved to record his own conversations. Loved the sound of his own voice. Loved the sound of his own voice. Sort of a Nixon meets the wedding tape killer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But this guy, he had, he started everything off with what was eventually called the philosophy tape. And in this, he set out exactly how he was going to pull off Operation Miranda. Let's listen to this to fucking piece of shit. I believe that I can, if I can construct a holding cell, I can create a facility that is so stark and so empty that fairly quickly by a combination of uh, painful punishments when I'm displeased, I can quickly condition a young woman to cooperate with me fully. It may not work. However, I want to try. And what hmm. what you're going to find out is that the, what these two men go on to construct is a gigantic Byzantine underground bunker, not unlike H.H. H. Holmes, that becomes their playground for sadistic sexual play for up to 25, possibly women, men, and children. Yeah. Uh, um, it, and this, hmm. uh, these guys, um, when I've, you know, as I'm researching, of course, when you research these things, it's the only thing that we can talk about to people. Mm. Uh, and <laughs> when, Which just makes us great. I mean, Christmas time. <laughs> and I was also researching it while doing thanksgiving we're like sitting whole marcus and i are literally at thanksgiving together like i just see marcus vigorously carving the turkey yeah getting too into it yeah going over there being like oh looking like a real m lady over there you know and then we we have a hearty laugh and then about 30 seconds of chilled silence yeah no don't have children anytime soon guys but but these guys leonard lake and charles ing when i tell people yeah we're working on these like most brutal most uh, one of the most uh amazing true crime stories that I've ever researched, people don't know about them. Just right. like people didn't know about the toy box killer. It's because I think it, it's too much. It's, it's quite a bit. It's it's quite a bit. It's just that mm -hmm. the, the brutality like, of these guys, it's too much to handle. It's like Kid A. The album <laughs> Kid A. Right, great album, great album. You know, well, this is just, um, but these guys are, uh, are a special brand of pieces of shit. 
Um, they are control freaks, uh, hyper nerds, military nerds, which I think in the end, which we're going to see are the worst kind. Um, we're going to see that the, it's military nerds. Is I, I think eventually you, you turn into a terrorist like Timothy McVeigh. It's kind of that same mentality. Um, and these guys just love to put it in the bush uh, in a way that was criminal. <laughs> That's a good point. And I, 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 do want to point out, I do want to point out dog meat actually woofed. Which was kind of exciting. Woof. You, you gave a woof. <laughs> I can't get the image out of my head of him pushing play on the VHS uh, recorder and then having to run in front of the camera like, oh. and then deliver it. Like, oh. There is some of that in the tape. I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, while these guys are both very fascinating, let's start with Leonard Lake. Now, Leonard was born to Gloria and Elgin Lake on October 29th, 1945 in San Francisco, California. He'd be followed by his sister, Sylvia, and a brother, Donald. A little after Donald... Donald came, though. Leonard's father, a notorious alcoholic, hightailed it up to Seattle to escape his presumably miserable life. And you know, there is a special bus line for drunk dads <laughs> that you can take from San Francisco to Seattle called the Dribble. Oh, you can take that. that Dribble bus all the way down, and it's just a bunch of drunk dads just hanging out, just swigging out a flask, having the best time in their lives, just listening to nothing but Def Leppard. <laughs> Like, and they drive that bus at twice the speed limit just in case they crash and it'll kill all of them instantly. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like a Greyhound, but the toilet's always full. Yes, and they just, they want, they want it to go. They nice? want it to flip. Take the dribble. <laughs> When you're a sad dad. Well, Gloria did follow Elgin up to Seattle a couple of months later to try to save the marriage, but little Leonard would be left at home with the grandparents, never to live with either of his parents ever again, despite his mother and siblings returning to San Francisco within the year. Leonard stayed with his grandparents until he came of age. Now, this is uh, what happens while he's staying with his grandparents is... is uh, Fairly rough. Um, <laughs> we're going to see early on that Leonard Lake, um, you know, like mostly when couples are d like split up and they do the thing where they're like, they tell their children, this is not your fault. This is mommy and daddy still love you. We just need to leave. I am pretty certain that all of this was Leonard Lake's fault. <laughs> yeah, Leonard yeah, yeah. Lake started off as a child highly sexually active. Mm. They said that he was a child like, and that's actually not unnormal. A lot of kids wake up like kind of have a weird preternatural sexual fascination, but then it either mellows out or they become like Larry Flint. You know what I mean? Sure. You become constructive with it. Make some money. <laughs> or a Jeffrey Dahmer. Or a Leonard Lake. Mm. And so he uh, became, uh, he was sexually fascinated with his own sister. But the thing is his grandmother was some, raised them in a very particular way where she wanted them to uh, understand the beauty of the human body. Mm. And a part of what she did, I, I don't know how much of it's true or not, but this is from what I read from various sources like Murderpedia and a couple other places, that she basically made him take nude pictures of his sisters in order to help him get an artistic appreciation of uh, the naked human form and eventually began to d d develop a sexual obsession with his youngest sister, Sylvia. And eventually their older brother, Donald, became uh, this very aggressive member of the household and used to beat on all of them. And what Leonard used to do was say to his sister, I'll protect you from Donald if you start to do this thing to me I like to call a blowjob. Uh, all right. So he did that with his sister a lot so 
Uh, that's, now that's entertaining, huh? <laughs> interesting tale, Henry. Interesting tale indeed. Uh, Leonard also had a problem with animals. His cousin, Chester Richardson, uh, used to visit Lake when they were about eight or nine years old. Chester said that Lester had a thing for mice. He had pet mice start off with just a few, but as Chester told it, they reproduced in the thousands, but... Chester's testimony might be a little suspect. He seemed to be a bit of an exaggerator. This is what uh, he said had to say about Leonard's mice. He had a little city for him. It's a regular little mouse world. There were tunnels and castles and mazes and even a little train for them to ride on. That is kind of cute, a mouse conductor. That is kind of adorable. But that doesn't seem to be too malicious at this point. This is kind of a creative thing for a kid to do. Uh, it seems like someone who enjoys early games of being God until <laughs> a group of tiny things you can own and command. Then yes, it's, it's very constructive. So you just described the job of a uh, of a city planner, which is all that he really was. But, but I for would be mouse, very concerned mice. if I heard from the mouth of a city planner. Y'all just my mice <laughs> going through my mazes and my tunnels till I'm done with you. I guarantee you they talk exactly <laughs> like that. I actually promise that. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as him having a little mouse world, that's not so bad. No. But when it came time to get rid of him, Chester said that Leonard sold some, oh. gave away a few others. Businessman, yeah. charity but work. for the most part, killed them and dissolved their bodies in acid using his beginner chemistry set. Mm. Much like Jeffrey Dahmer. But he said that when this is also true, this is a quote from his cousin. He said that what he would do is he would put them in a little jar of uh, acid and they would slowly turn into a green little goo. <laughs> An ugly green goo. Yeah. <laughs> ugly green goo. Not a beautiful forest green. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds. It's like ratatouille. But fucking when he turns into slime. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I think that'll be in the sequel. Well, as Henry said earlier, Leonard always had a problem with his brother Donald. See, Donald had been hit in the head by a train when he was nine. Yeah, I read with that. Now, are we talking a human train, a train that carries <laughs> humans, or a small train? I got to say, I mean, technically, his head's way stronger than most. <laughs> right? Because if he got hit by an actual train... This good on him. Yeah, it's an old-timey injury. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, of course, caused brain damage, which caused Donald to be, in the words of his sister, quote, a little slow, mm. Uh, mm. and also made him quite violent. Uh, uh, and that's, that's the kicker. <laughs> that's the kicker right there. <laughs> and he, it also made him dependent on his mother. And this informed Leonard's opinion that he held from a very early age uh, that... People who were dependent on the government were lazy or incompetent. He said that he would poison the water supply of everyone on welfare if he could. Now, what we're seeing here is a very uh, intense, conservative, like military-like streak that literally started from when he was a boy. He, it's like, we're gonna hit. What you're gonna say right here is that he uh, basically became a really it's a piece of shit early and a, an insufferable teenager. Oh yeah, one of the worst sort of. I hate it when kids are conservative. Nothing is <laughs> yeah. worse than seeing like a child. Republican because that means like there, there's no place to go right, right. from there like you have yeah. to start warm hearted and slowly the world should make you cold and and, and broken that's the goal of, of course life. yeah definitely um, but not when you're young you shouldn't start like that no you no. shouldn't start railing against welfare queens when you're 10 no no I mean, the only thing you can do when you're 20 is to make a murder basement that's the only place you can <laughs> that's, go yeah, that's where you, that's eventually if you start cold at 10 by uh 
I think he was about 35 when okay. the murder basement came. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, start high and then slowly go back down. Uh, but, yeah, Leonard did grow up to be an insufferable teenager, not just because of the conservative views, but he was also one of those kids that said, like, oh, I worship ancient Norse gods. Mm. Uh, and then he said, like, well, actually, I'm a Buddhist. And then finally he settled on atheism, uh, saying that he didn't place any faith in, quote, holy Joes. Yeah. But, I mean, but that's sort of normal. I went through a yeah. little, you know, I went through the Wicca phase, and then I went through my, my wearing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirt for two years phase, and then, I mean, I'm back one. at both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's weird, but now I choose it, and in a fun way. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it is, what you really get with Leonard Lake is that when I read about Leonard Lake, I really can't help but think about the internet. Because his entire persona is kind of that, you know, cl- what has now become the cliche neckbeard persona. Yes, mm. he's a neckbeard. Yeah, that's exactly a- way to put it. He's a he's a he gives us one star on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. This is this guy. It's this guy's and like people like my mom who are like, it's the part of humor that I don't like. One star. <laughs> that's right. Do you think the internet would have saved him? Uh, I have actually been thinking about that quite a bit. Uh, is if the if he would have had something on the internet's other guys to say like eh, yeah of course women are all bitches you they're there to for you they're there to be your slave eh, maybe he wouldn't have done this yeah but uh like a real men's rights guy well yeah. my, my question is with him is that i to be honest when i think of leonard lake i think of the cannibal cop guy what i think is that what he would have used the internet for we're, we're going to get into with leonard lake because this is a man that was all about sexual fantasy for for forever deep yeah. dark sexual Obsession with every time, and the one thing that the internet can do is, I think porn is really good in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think it's good to masturbate. I think it's one of those things you got to do. It helps a lot of people. It, it, I think, it saves a lot of people from rape. I think it it quells a lot of rape fantasies if you could jerk it out and get it out of your system. This is the type of guy that I think that that sort of sexual obsession and and the way you can go down a deep, dark sex hole on the internet would have made him even worse. That's a great documentary. I think it's called Thought Crimes on Valet, Officer Valet, all about the cannibal cop. It's really good. the other side of the internet argument is that it it normalizes uh, such fantasies as well. So he could also get sort of caught up five, ten years later. He has it so ingrained in his mind that this is just common thought that he goes and acts it out without knowing the ramifications of his actions. It could be, but it also could be that, you know, he has this uh, fantasy about a Miranda woman, you know, this sort of, like, trapped slave, and then he goes on kink.com and sees that exact same thing, yeah. jerks it right. out, and he's fine. Subscribes or, to a webcam service doing that kind of thing and get a private message to do all that shit. Goes to the UK and pays 500 bucks and has the experience actually acted out for him, which is something that they do at the kink.com facilities. There's a great documentary on it. I forget the name. It's oh, called... Wow. It's just called kink. It's great. Okay. All it's while he's the manager of Best Buy. <laughs> boom. Boom. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Lake, as a teenager, speaking of fantasy, he was also obsessed, and this was a lifelong obsession, with a novel called The Collector. Now, the story of The Collector goes that a lonely butterfly collector becomes fixated on a young woman named Miranda. He kidnaps her and forces her to stay in a prison of his own making. Here's an excerpt from The Collector. It was like not having a net and catching a specimen you wanted in your first and second fingers. I was always very clever at that. Coming up slowly behind and you had it. But you had to nip the thorax and it would be quivering there. It wasn't easy like it was with a killing bottle and it was twice as difficult with her 
because I didn't want to kill her. That was the last thing I wanted. (laughs) This is a a very common, almost a fairy uh, tale type trope. Rapunzel, uh, you know, stuck away in the the, the castle. Or even Shrek is about something similar. Well, that's about rescue. That's about rescuing. No, I think no. The, the detectives are Shrek. Leonard Lake is whatever the name of the terrible prince is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Leonard Lake, is, yeah, is the guy that right. keeps them. You know, yeah, that keeps them in captivity. But it's also there. There's the opposite too. This is where Leonard Lake is a lot like BTK, where he mm. romanticizes the whole thing and his position in it. It's a part of that is viewing yourself as a sympathetic evil king, where you're like you want to keep somebody and only and use them exactly how you want them to. And it, it, to him. When you'll see later on, when we go through the rules. When he once Operation Miranda is in full force, he begins to believe. Like, but eventually they'll love being like right. captive. Yeah, exactly. And sort uh, of the Stockholm syndrome thing. Yeah, my sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year, thinking about her family and friends, and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. 
Follow his shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. And Leonard Lake is uh, one of the reasons why why I consider Leonard Lake so fascinating is because you can, since we have so many documents uh, written by him since we have so many uh, so much video evidence of him actually talking about these crimes very candidly um, we can really see the evolution of this guy yes. we can see how these things actually like how he, he comes went from fantasy to reality yeah and why he went from fantasy to reality mm. like how what that actually came and what I kind of think is that we'll definitely get into this more probably in, in part two or part three is that it's kind of a midlife crisis yeah because that's what you're what you're gonna see later on. We'll, we'll go into this, but once once he hits thirty five, he's like, "I'm dumpy. I'm bald." He says all this stuff. He's like, "My body's bad. There's a type of woman I want to have sex with that will not look at me, and so I need to find a way to make sure I, I I can get that from them because I deserve it because I've come this far." Blah blah blah. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, he's like uh, the extreme version of the internet nice guy. Like, why won't they? I'm a nice guy. Why do they always go with the assholes? And Leonard Lake is the absolute extreme version of that. Right, right. I mean, if he didn't invest so much damn money in this murder basement, he could have bought a Corvette and trolled the town. I'm sure some young gal would have loved you it. You just do that shit. That's you what just you do. do that shit. You don't need to keep a prisoner. I'll say any right now. If you have prisoners, let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Get him out of there. <laughs> Come on. You don't want it. It's too much of a hassle. Yes. You know it is, okay? <laughs> but it comes down to it. You know how hard it is to keep the prisoners. Just let them go. Let them go. But you know what you should do is go ahead, buy a Corvette. Get a Corvette. <laughs> or whatever the coolest car is nowadays. So uh, the so Leonard, like, of course, you know, he's it does take until his mid thirties for to actually enact the Operation Miranda. The man that he enacts it with is man, fifteen years his junior. A one Mr. Charles Ng. And his middle name's Cheetah. <laughs> yeah, which is so cool. His name is actually Charles Cheetah Ng. Which is very funny because he's very chubby. <laughs> and he doesn't seem like he'd move all that fast. Well, he became chubby later as he got into prison. Because they all get chubby in prison. But he was kind of spry when he was mm. a younger fella. When he was a rapist, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So Charles Cheetah Ng. Charles Cheetah Ng. Leonard Lake's... Uh, Partner in crime. He was born on Christmas Eve, Aww, 1960, nice. in good. Hong Kong, uh, to uh, Kenneth and Oi Ping Ng. Uh, he was the youngest of three, and although middle class, the family of five lived in a two-bedroom apartment with two grandmothers and two aunts. 
Which is, you know, they they had a very uh, big family system, family support system in China. That's kind of how they, that's how they live. It's cultural. Um, but yeah. his father was like a driving, demanding man. Again, mm. kind of cultural. He's a real tiger dad, which means <laughs> that he beat the fuck out of him <laughs> like a bunch. Yeah. But he really just wanted. If you listen to the stories afterwards, like of the the experts of his father, like because the truth is that he had a lot of hope for Charlie, and he put a lot of work into Charlie, and was like, I'm gonna d- do the best for you and pay for all these private schools. But then when it didn't work out, he was like, he started flipping out, started beating him. But later on, his father was like, hey, maybe I should not be beating so much. Maybe not. Well, this whole thing could have been avoided if the Chinese would have put in their one child policy way earlier. Mm, This is Hong Kong. This is Hong Kong. So it's a British territory. Ah, different. (laughs) Very good. So Ng is different from Lake in that as a child, he actually loved animals and went to great lengths to care for them. Case in point was his pet chicken. Now, Charles had raised his pet chicken. It's very dangerous to raise a chicken in Hong Kong <laughs> and yeah. consider it a pet. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yes, it did not work out. And so the chicken met its end in a cooking pot. And we don't know, by right. the way, if Charles was informed of him eating his pet chicken before or after dinner. You know, this is it's straight out of South Park. It's what Cartman did when he fed the man's parents uh, in the Scott mixed Tenderman's yeah. child, uh, parents too. Yes, yeah. In it's front unbelievable. Of I want to say this. I was very good with chickens as a child. The Swenson Farm had a missing chicken. And what detective did they call? Some stupid one. And then I went in there and I got the chicken out. What, what are you talking about? Swenson's lost a chicken. <laughs> now, Swenson's is a They're, grocery the name store. Of a family. It is the name of a family oh, that the lost family. a chicken. Oh, okay. They sent in somebody to get the chicken. The chicken did not go to that person. I Where was did the chicken years. go? It was up in the coop. And I went in. <laughs> but is that what the chicken's supposed to be? Yes. No, but they wanted it to probably kill it. So you... Okay. Well, now that I think about it, actually, yeah, you the were the chicken. Grim Reaper of this chicken. <laughs> well, yeah, you no. went out, earned this chicken's trust somehow yeah. as a giant yeah. boy. Yeah, you went out and like, did you flap your arms oh. and buckle down like you were a giant chicken? Very theatrical. I did what I had to do. Now, was this at the time when you were also told by the principal you were hugging people too much? <laughs> no, that was years later. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I just and a say. little look into the life of Ben Kissel. I got the chicken down. Chicken, the chicken and I were very. Another close. day in long fat man history. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, concerning other pets, uh, Oi Ping said. Well, there's a problem. Is that she he kept getting these delicious pets. Yeah. So he got a turtle, and so the mother said, when he's walking around with his turtle on a leash, and then Rita, he had a turtle. And he would not recognize Rocket Up, so the turtle was all over the place in the house. So every day, he's buying fish to feed his turtles. <laughs> and then, what are you going to do? The turtle's getting bigger. And I'm like, oh, mm, turtle soup. And so um, I just get to craving for it. So what do I do? Chippity chop with my chopper knife. Mm. And no turtle no more. Charlie come in, and he's like, oh, where my turtle go? I say, you eat soup for three days. You eat soup for three days. That's where turtle go. And right. Charlie go, oh, boo-hoo. Yeah, he was very sad. I didn't know the turtles ate fish. Yeah. Oh, who knew, Of huh? course, yeah. And then, of course, there was the dog, to which Oi Ping said, It's a, a very smeary. <laughs> it's very smeary. So we wanted to bring it to the pond with the turtle, the far way to Chari, and I'd have the Chari reach the turtle out to the pond, and then there was a dog. I'm afraid of dog. So he released it where there are some other dog, so the dog can have some companion, and the whole time I'm like, Chari, why you boo-hoo? And Chari boo-hoo say he gonna rock up woman, and 
I make her make her do the rape rape for many months. Seems and to I'm a Charlie Burger. <laughs> Seems to me like Charlie's mother is the future serial killer. She's just killing all the poor boys' pets. <laughs> and you know, each pet that was lost just devastated little Charlie. Just yes. devastated. The thing is that he, he was such a little bitch. You're going to see this later on, too, when he, the trial goes south and he's sentenced to death. Yeah. You see this pout come on his face where he's just like, fucking caught, fucking caught, always, always wrong. Where he's like, literally, like, that's what he, literally, I'm not being racist. No, no, I'm no. barely it's, being racist. Yeah, they, they, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is a, actually exactly what he sounded like. Yeah, yeah. and... So this little kid, like he, these were tantr- temper tantrums. Yeah. When she took these pets away, it's because you're living in a goddamn house with your two aunts and your grandparents <laughs> instead. The last thing you want is a turtle and a dog shitting all over the place. <laughs> I understand why she turned them into soup. No, I'm gonna. I'm on Charlie's side on this one. I know. Have you ever heard of a parent killing your favorite animal and then feeding it to you this three is, times? This <laughs> is China. This is China. There's very little food going around. He's bringing food in the house that he's given names. <laughs> You don't. don't you know. just bring food to the house. I don't even know which side you guys are on anymore. I am so <laughs> pro not feeding your child their pet. Okay, okay. Thank you for clarifying. I mean, I'm just God. saying there's a difference between a pet and an amateur farm. You know what I mean? That's what he's turning the house I into. don't know. Of course, these temper tantrums turned into behavioral problems. Charles started getting into trouble again and again, particularly liked hurling Molotov cocktails off of roofs, loved bullying little British children, Hong Kong being a British territory. Uh, But what he was into most of all was theft. He would steal anything, and his thieving ways would land him in jail again and again throughout the years, and eventually... This would result in both his and Leonard Lake's downfall way down the line. And I'm trying, hmm. he was real sneaky. Yeah. 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 You yeah, yeah. He was well, super sneaky. Not he that always sneaky. was. He, he seemed to get caught all the time. No, he was a bad thief. Right. You know, it's very interesting with people that are like, they become career thieves. So the reason why they become known as career thieves is because they keep getting caught. Right. Yeah. Career well, thieves never get caught. The best ones you never hear about. Yeah. Which is interesting. How many career thieves are out there? If you're a career thief, <laughs> listen, all right, I'm going to do total impunity. All right, we won't ask your name. Yeah. Use a burner email. Mm-hmm. Please email us if you steal for a living. I want to hear how you do it. Henry, just do me a favor. Check your pockets. Is your wallet, is your wallet still there? Benjamin! <laughs> yes. Another day in long fat man history. <laughs> So Ng, as a kid, bounced from private school to private school because of, you know, the thievery and the arson and the like. That eventually landed him in San Francisco in 1979. And by October of that year, Charles had faked his birth certificate and joined the U.S. Marines. And that is the thing that would bring him and Leonard Lake together was Mm -hmm. Semper Fi, that whole idea of Marines bonding together because Leonard Lake also joined the Marines. Because from a young age, Charles Ng was convinced that the the army was going to be like the perfect fit for him because he had violent tendencies, mm-hmm. he loved guns, he was obsessed with everything about like the uniform. He thought it was going to give him some legitimacy and little little did he know he had a brother in Leonard Lake, mm-hmm. technically a father figure in Leonard Lake. Yeah. He really did. And Leonard Lake, mm-hmm. he joined uh he joined the Marines at a pretty bad time, January 1964. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just a few months before Gulf of Tonkin and just a few months before yeah. the United States would go full on into the Vietnam War. Right. So military life, 
immediately appealed to Leonard Lake. Of course, he loved the guns. Uh, he loved the quote-unquote survival skills uh, that he learned in the Marines. But what he really enjoyed was the affectations of military Well, life. that's what all these guys do. They, they like the feeling that being in the military give him, the, these these types that join the Marines. These guys types, nothing- yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They're, uh, they, you know, we have a ton of listeners in the armed forces out there. But these guys, people in the armed forces, you know the guy we're talking about here. Yeah, it's the piece of shit that's there just because he gets a helmet and a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And loves camouflage. That Leonard Lake was one of those camo guys mm. that only shops at Army Surplus, wears camouflage all the time, lots of berets. And he also, he loved the language of the military. He always referred to all of his actions, no matter how mundane or sinister, he always called them operations or ops mm. for yeah. sure. Yeah, God, operation, go get me some toilet paper because I just <laughs> shat and I ran out of paper towels. Yeah, you just poo-pooed yourself in the middle of a mess hall. That's not an operation. Just operation brownie pockets is in effect. <laughs> yeah, is that what you're going to call that? You just shat yourself, you drunk bastard. <laughs> and of course, there was the promise of violence. Uh, Leonard, later on, he would tell people that he loved his time in Vietnam. He didn't even want to leave. They made him leave. That he, quote-unquote, killed a lot of people. And that the hardest thing he had to do was, quote-unquote, zip up a body bag. But he was yeah. totally full of shit. He right. was lying. Because he worked, what was he? He's a radar technician. He was a radar, yeah, he was a radar technician. And that's another thing that uh, that vets say a lot, is that the guys that talk about combat never saw any. Right, so they're trying to just sort of, um, I guess, trump up their own egos, huh? They're trying to trump up their own egos. They're trying to seem impressive to people, or they're trying to intimidate people. It's like, yeah, I killed some motherfuckers. The people who actually kill people... Don't fucking talk. No, they're about haunted it. by it. So, My yeah. uncle killed people. He does. He can't even talk about Vietnam. He can't even go to Chinatown. Right. So is that that's true, right? I mean, that is true, but not yeah. talking about. It. I've never seen him in Chinatown. <laughs> but I imagine if he went to Chinatown. He wouldn't be good there. Yeah, might trigger some PTSD, huh? Uh, yeah. yeah, you could say that for inherent racism. <laughs> so this guy was like, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. And then he would just like look down and be like, oh, that's an omelet. Never mm. mind. Oh. Mm. So he never saw any battle at all. Didn't see a single minute of combat. Spent mm. all of his time on a base in Da Nang. Maybe he heard some, he might have heard some gunfire, might have heard some bombs here and there. But he never, he never once went out into the, he was never in country. He mm. did love the whorehouse of Vietnam and that's actually mm. very true. He yeah. did uh, he course, did of course did. that's but that's what he did. That's yeah. I mean what you're going to see again he got training for it. Yeah, he went to Da Nang, uh, got some horrors and came on back worked on some radar. Uh but Really, the Marines, to their credit, this was the only time in Leonard Lake's life that anybody would see that maybe there's something a little fucked up about this guy. And that's the Marines. <laughs> right. The Marines say to in a guy. In 1965. Right. Literally, they were like, we can't put a gun in your hands. <laughs> Meanwhile, not- they just faked a terrorist act to start a war <laughs> in Vietnam. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, Vietnam, they were like, you are far too sane for this gun. Go back, have a, have a pint of whiskey, come back, we will arm you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Vietnam was crazy. Yeah, Vietnam was crazy, and Leonard Lake was too crazy for Vietnam. Yeah, so they didn't give him any sort of, they didn't they let him go, go nowhere near the field, he didn't get a gun, and he was diagnosed as a schizophrenic, basically impending schizophrenia. Yeah. They were like, basically, he was like, well, it's like, he is one egg short of a dozen. He's yeah. like, that's like what his fucking terminology was, and they kicked him off the fucking Marines and gave him an honorable discharge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was put in a hospital psych ward for a couple of months, and his first wife 
Karen Lee Minersman, who he married between his first and second tours of duty, later told of a strange incident involving him soon after his diagnosis. One night, Lake broke into a storage facility to steal, quote-unquote, government equipment. Karen doesn't remember exactly what it was, but either way, he didn't find what he's looking for and blamed his failure on, quote, an attack of diarrhea. Operation Brownie <laughs> Pockets is in full effect. Oh Retreat. <laughs> Retreat. I can't believe they've come back again. <laughs> His solution to this was to lay in bed for days at a time eating nothing but chocolate. Ack, I know how that feels. You right, Kathy? Ah, oh, yeah. Mondays. Oh. <laughs> His reasoning was that chocolate caused constipation, so as soon as he was suitably plugged up, he could resume his op and complete his mission. But as far as we know... He never did. I would cons- yeah. I would resume Operation Brownie Pockets, but I got to tell you what, I love shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like he likes chocolate more. So no Operation Fondue Tube is in full effect. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but the rest of Karen's marriage to Leonard wouldn't be so whimsical. Uh, oh, oh, that was the good part of it? That, that was the one good part. days in bed slamming chocolate so he would stop shitting himself. himself. <laughs> so he could steal things from the government. Oh, we had some good times, honey. But, man, mostly... It's been pretty rough. Yeah. So she actually, she described their first few months of marriage as, quote unquote, sort of average. Ah, and their time. That's how I always like to describe all my romances. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the honeymoon, fa- the honeymoon phase, sort of average. And they, uh, she described their time after he was officially discharged as, quote unquote, fairly normal. But things went downhill fairly quickly after that. As we know from Leonard's philosophy tape that we heard from at the very beginning of the show and what we know about psychopaths in general, Lake's relationships always started off with him playing the sweetheart. Because he wants to appear to you as a person that you want him to be. Yeah. Like you want, he wants to be the perfect man because a part of it is the sadistic pleasure he gets out of making the switch. Or, or the, yeah. he does not understand why you won't jump with him to the switch. Because he was a very, as we're going to see, kinky man mm-hmm. and a not in a way that was remotely normal. It's because it was just, as soon as you gave him in, she would take a mile. His sexual predilections were, were unquenchable. Did he have that much forethought, though? Or was he just, you know, in order to get people's attention or to get someone to love you, you have to do what you have to do. Did he want to be a good person? No. He Absolutely knew that he was not. like, every time that he would do something kind, he was just like, just wait, this is all bullshit. Well, it's because he just felt he was above everybody. Right, so he yeah. feels like he has to condescend and count, talk down to the people that are below him in order to mesmerize them. And then it's like, what you're going to see, what, what he says before about the term off-the-shelf lover, yeah. which is like how slaves were off-the-shelf employees, where it's like, that's like what she that's what he wanted so in the end he would take these women and mold them into a way that he wanted he thought that they would go along with him because he was so superior and Mm. he had this spell over them and like most of the time they're like no yeah and when it Mm. didn't work he always it always came back to like fucking bitches man it's like these like when women wouldn't acquiesce to his will it was never his fault it was never what he was doing it was always everything was always done to him yes. right 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 and then but he did have some hold with his first wife he pressured her into doing uh, becoming a prostitute for him where that that was his idea was to to push it being like he started taking nude pictures of her and started going out and basically selling her body a little bit for her to make some cash and that's how he he did it and he got sexual pleasure out of her being shared by many men 
And people always talked about Leonard Lake as being an extremely charming man, or at least the women who fell into his trap. Taught, he was either described as extremely charming or an absolute piece of shit. Mm. Like, a be- like a lot of people did kind of see him. It's like, there's something really wrong with this but guy. But this is where we'll see the stripe of H.H. Holmes. Yeah. Where he is that, where he believed he was larger than life. Yeah, and Leonard Lake's biggest kink by far, the thing that got him off the absolute most, something that started in childhood, taking nude photographs. Over the years, Leonard Lake would accumulate dozens upon dozens of albums of nude pictures he'd take of both women and young girls. And it wasn't just pictures that he was married to or dating either. He somehow, he convinced countless women to pose for him over the years. And oh, how he loved to show him to pick, to show those pictures to anyone who would look. Anybody yeah. who entered into Leonard Lake's home would be forced to look at his collection of nude photographs. Well, once you taken. got to know him a little bit and you were like a dude or something, you'd start looking at the pictures. And if you were dating him, he'd show you the pictures because he, there was something about him that he thought that it would sexually excite these women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't. <laughs> no, believe it or not, they don't like to feel extremely jealous. No, exactly not. And he, you know, showed him to his wife, Karen, all the time that he was taking pictures of other women while he was married to Karen and his douchiness in that marriage extended far beyond the sexual realm. Uh, He claimed to hate telephones and only got her a telephone after concocting a completely fake identity to give to the phone company. What a douchebag. It's just this thing where it's it's the guys that were like, I don't shop online because the government's going to take my credit card. Me like, man... They got all our shit already. (laughs) Shut up. Just just fucking get over it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites. And oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs. If I have mayonnaise left over, I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is 
the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. He pestered her constantly about taking part in three ways, which she only did once and did not enjoy. She supported him completely by dancing at a local strip club while he gardened all day long, and he just would not shut the fuck up about the collector. I don't I mean, know. I mean, up to this point, to be honest, though, taking nude pictures, everyone on their cell phones right now have tons of nude pictures. You know, and then the, the killing of the mice, that's not that extreme. I mean, it I want to see when he really jumps the shark because at this point, he's not quite as bad as, you know, someone like a Ramirez already at this point. Or, I mean, there's a lot of crazier people who we've covered up to this point, I think. Well, I mean, see, he makes up have a three, what, what guy? I mean, I don't particularly have a three-way fantasy, but many guys have a three-way fantasy. It's the way that it's as far as the like, yeah, some people like. Okay, let's say, like, when I was a kid, I used to kill frogs, you know? So, But that's not quite as bad as killing dozens of mice and dissolving their bodies while giggling. Yeah, I've gotten you some... You fireworks up their buttholes and laughed your ass off. But they, technically, that was Texas <laughs> games. And that's also, the only thing they could I'm do just, is kids. And also, but they it, were reptiles. They're further away from us. 
Then mice? Makes no sense. Oh, you're yeah. just, you're, you're no. really. That I will say makes no Th- sense. That, that is a weird no, Texas that, validation. No, that totally makes sense because mice are mammals. They're closer to us. Leonard Lake's uh, entire, yeah. Leonard Lake's entire <laughs> life was devoted to sex. Yeah. And it that's, was, that's the right. problem is that it's, once she gets to a point and it was past like working at a job, it, it was past, uh, like the, the collector became everything on his mind that's right. where it became the, the unhealthy and became bigger than just some guy who's into three ways right is that it was the only thing he was concerned yeah with. i'm just saying i'm interested to hear really how he goes to the next level of true horror right and as far as the uh, the nude photographs go imagine if you got a bunch of like say nude selfies from a bunch of different ladies and you insisted on showing the nude selfies that you have on your phone to every acquaintance that you talked to every time you saw them. It would be awkward and uncomfortable, right, but I'm not saying that then I would immediately jump to murder basement. But also he had physically forced his girlfriend, wife, he had physically forced his wife to work at a strip club and become a prostitute. Like, this is what he's doing. He became like, he became like an amateur pimp. You became his own version of the collector in a small way in the house as like yeah. a sort of lead up. And he was sure. also super abusive. He would administer yeah. what he called controlled beatings that he would start hitting her. Well, with now a, we're getting there. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He started hitting her with an open hand. He's got hard. I just spoke too soon. I'm sorry. <laughs> then he, he started with an open hand and then slowly worked his way up to a fist. She endured the marriage for two years before finally leaving him in 1972. His last petty act would be to break into her new apartment and burn holes in all of her clothes with acid. And Leonard's sister, Janet, said that the divorce was the last time she ever saw Leonard cry. And along with the kind of, sort of, not that bad abandonment of his mother as a child was the the source of Lake's hatred of women. Which is also a very common psychopathic trait where he just pins it all on this one woman that betrayed him, yeah. even though he was beating the fuck out of her. Mm-hmm. And then his mom, who left because she couldn't handle his drunk father and the fact that she literally was staring into the eyes of a young psychopath. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the burning of the holes uh, in the clothes with acid is very specific, but... People cut up uh, their their ex significant other's clothes all the time, leave them on the front lawn, things like that. I mean, the controlled beatings. Now we're getting. I understand he's not a good person. Yeah, it's yeah, the term it, controlled. It's just beatings. very bizarre. Yeah, yeah, he's just a. Yeah, yeah it's it is very bizarre, and I do agree that this is a. Pretty normal. I guess I would say at this point he's average psychopath. But also right, yeah. we are forgetting during this time his obsession with the oncoming nuclear holocaust that was going to end all life on Earth. And that's what we're getting to right now. That is a thing that he had carried since the Marines. Yeah. When he was going through the Marines, a part of he sort of this diatribe early on about how like this is just the fucking beginning. These communists are going to take this up to the fucking midnight of the nuclear clock. It's like this is it. We got to prepare for the end times. And everyone's over being like. Lenny, you're being crazy. And he's like, mm. I'm not crazy, yeah. which means you're crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. He got, oh. he became obsessed uh, with using and learning, quote unquote, survival skills, which he was one of those assholes that used to bury food in the woods uh, yeah. and thought that that was going to save him. And so while legitimately he would bring people over the house, talk about his food deposits and the end of the world while flipping through nude pictures of the many prostitutes he paid to take nude pictures of, rough neighbor. 
Yep. Also, rough new boyfriend to bring around <laughs> the parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't show him to mom and dad for quite some time. Uh, He's just not a cool guy. No, no, absolutely no. not. Uh, yeah, he con- he said like if you don't have survival skills and if you don't have a bunker, then you're not going to survive the impending nuclear holocaust. But you know what right. else you can use a bunker for, dog meat? Uh, pr- sex slave prison? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could <laughs> right. definitely take a bunker and turn into a prison for a sex slave, which is also exactly what he wanted. He yeah. felt that women yeah. should only be used for cleaning sex, and when you're done with them, you can put them away. You yeah. know, it's funny. My parents used to always tell me that it doesn't matter what grades you got in school because you never know when Jesus is coming back. Oh, and then uh, they found out Jesus wasn't coming back. They moved to Florida. That's what they did instead. <laughs> but you get the feeling after the nuclear uh, holocaust never occurred, which everyone was saying was going to occur. I mean, yeah. this was still lockdown drills in uh, middle schools. They would hide under their desks because that would somehow uh, not not get you murdered. Hmm. But I think once that didn't happen, maybe that was the reason he's like step two in life. No, yeah. he always thought up to the very end he was waiting for the end to come. And what he would do to also. Uh, prepare for that is that he would, as Marcus put here, he's very fatalistic. Yeah, he kept with him cyanide caplets that he would tra- he would use on dogs in order to work the dosage out. He would sew cyanide caplets mm. into his clothes just in case that uh, whenever the shit went down, he could fucking off himself. Yeah, and also he would not shut up about to anybody <laughs> that he met. Right. Yeah, he would always say, "I carry death in my pocket." And he also talked about how he had hollowed out one of his teeth uh, and kept a little bit of cyanide in one of his teeth. So in case he was he had his clothes taken away from him, he could quickly just open up his tooth with his tongue and swallow the cyanide and die instantly. Like an asshole. Yeah, like he's working <laughs> some sort of CIA is, mission. What a pain in the ass. This is just a... Oh, God, I could just see this guy at an office, (laughs) like the guy who fills the copiers and shit and Mm -hmm. just like always come by your desk and hounding you. And then every single time, like any girl comes to talk to you and leaves, he's just like that. Wendy's a real piece of ass. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, shut up, fucking Lenny. Get away from me. Now, while it would be years before Lake would find a suitable spot to carry out Operation Miranda, he would try for the first time on a 5,000 acre homestead called The Ranch, split in a 200 separate plots of land, a small community had sprung up composed of former San Franciscans looking to escape the failure of the Haight-Ashbury hippie life. Which is the mm. very end of the hangover from the, like, the, the of the end of the hippie movement. Yeah. These were people that were trying to truly live off the grid. And again, we're going to see how these sort of altruistic communities are immediately taken advantage of by a psychopath. Yeah, they're trying to live off the grid in the most innocent way possible. They're trying to live without power lines, without telephones. Uh, everyone- Nothing innocent about it. <laughs> there really isn't. This is how Warren Jeffs controlled everybody in Utah. This is how cults start. This is how molestation goes unchecked. This These people the- were all a bunch of deviants. But the problem is that that's where it goes always. But yeah. at the very beginning, at least, the yeah. first 15 minutes of the <laughs> okay, idea. I'll give you 15. It yeah. starts at it being like, we can go con and use the con both as food and as pretty bits of corn yeah. that you can hang up on strings for corn decorations. Yeah, the first generation mm. is always people with names like, and these people all did live at the ranch, uh, people with names like Zephyr, Beaver, Otter, 
and morning glory. And morning glory can make some of the best tree branch sandals you've ever seen. <laughs> mm. Yes, they are highly uncomfortable. And yes, they only last for three wears. But they are definitely, at one point, tree branch sandals. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> uh, and actually, Otter and Morning Glory, they were said to be the high priest and priestess in the ranch's quote-unquote black magic cult and owned quite the large snake. But you know it's just two people in black robes just waving at people driving by being like, welcome to the neighborhood. You guys want a goblet of blood? It's not blood, it's grape juice. We're just having fun over here. Come over and join the cult, all right, guys? Enjoy yourself. We got all the corn you could possibly stomach. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You go out, you plant corn, and then you're like, what do you have to do? You just have to wait for it to grow. You got to fill the time with something. Yeah, yeah. fuck it. Balling. Yeah. <laughs> Balling out in a dust cloud. Playing with a large snake. But there was one unsuspecting, far too trusting hippie with way too much faith in the goodness of people that Leonard Lake scammed. Her name was Venus. No. If you name your kid Venus. Well, no, Venus was the name she gave to herself. If you give yourself the name Venus. <laughs> much, much worse. You're basically, I'm not saying you're asking for it, but you're definitely going to be taken advantage of. You're definitely mm-hmm. going to be taken advantage of. So yeah. I have a new nickname idea. Just think, but I can't give it to myself. You have to give it to me. Men are from Mars. Women are from. Just go to be go to grad school. <laughs> Cheryl, I'm no, calling you Cheryl. I, no, that's, but women Cheryl are. I am a woman. Who, Where am I from? Venus. That's my name. <laughs> He called me Venus. <laughs> Go to grad school, Cheryl. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm your father and you don't respect me and I, do, I truly, I'm trying not to control you. <laughs> I would have heard you, but you didn't call me. I'm just desperate for you to not be murdered in a sex dungeon. Well, Venus wouldn't be murdered in a sex dungeon. Oh, that's good. No. Uh, I mean, but Leonard Lake, uh, she would get into a relationship with him, which was no picnic either. Uh, for months, he would just constantly pressure her to take nude photographs, would go on and on about his survival skills, started just casually talking about killing his younger brother. But even creepier were his frequent mentions of Operation Miranda and the bunker he needed to build to pull it all off. And Venus for some reason, thought that Leonard was building a shelter for people to escape the cities. Like, that's what, what? she thought Operation Miranda was. Well, it's was. because the way he talked about it, the vague way, he'd be like, it's a place to escape to. It's a place where only pleasure is known. He's just like, <laughs> it's going to be the new Valhalla. That yeah. sounds amazing. But he's just like, there's going to be ropes there and a lot of pussy damage. <laughs> and he's just like, well... I'll just hear the first bit. Exactly. What she thought it was like a reverse Harriet Tubman making a bizarre uh, uh, underground railroad, but like out of the cities into some rural ass place. Yeah. The problem with that railroad is just went straight to Ball City. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't tunneling or anything though, was he? He was. Yeah. He will oh, he eventually. was tunneling. Yeah, okay. he absolutely was. Now, what he would do, uh, much to the chagrin of all of the hippies around, is he rented a backhoe and brought it out. To the ranch, this sort of digging big old holes, huge, just gouging mm. out the sides of the, these beautiful, uh, these beautiful slopes. Uh, but the hippies, of course, didn't do, do anything about it. It was free living out there. Yeah, yeah. it's free living. You can't tell yeah. him he can't get a backhoe and ruin the nature because technically that's his freedom. Yeah, technically. Mm. But yeah, but actually, the rest of the community they admitted that the more he talked about Operation Miranda and the more he started actually digging out a hole. Uh, to build it, the more he, quote-unquote, freaked us out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And Venus's breaking point came when Leonard pushed her off a ladder. 
and so she sold Leonard the property and lit out. Because it wasn't his house. No. She basically, he came into the community, was kind of bumming around, had seduced Venus, and Venus invited him into her house. And yeah. then she sold it to him. And in a weird sort of hippie way, like just being like, all right, well, you're just going to do your own thing. And so she sent it, sold, sold it the house to him. Meanwhile, he's also romancing a 16-year-old yeah. that became obsessed with him like this 16 year old that he's showing pictures all these nude pictures of women he used to be with and this is the common example of like if you're if you're underage and a 30 year old is flirting with you and you think he's cool it's be i mean any 30 year old who's flirting with a 16 year old Mm -hmm. is a monster that's right so at this point he's in the psychopathy of macaulay culkin from the movie the good son that's where he's at. He's pushing people off of ladders. Ah, oh, yeah. And he's sure. going a little bit crazy. Everyone's concerned about his presence. He's Ed Gein killing his brother crazy right now. Because at this time, he's also bragging about the fact that he had killed his own brother. Well, he hadn't killed his brother at this point. But he's, ta- he's talking about it. Yeah, he's talking about it. He's talking about killing his own brother very flippantly. Like, it's mm. one of the, it's like, and he talks about everything very casually, except when he starts talking about the cyanide cat. Well, he talk it, he talks about everything very casually until it gets to the underground bunker. And then, then he gets very serious. Mm-hmm. But everything else is like, you know, I got cyanide capsules on me at all times. Always ready. Just to be super impressive. Yeah, to but be like super cool. And also he would invite his super fat friend Charles Gunner over mm-hmm. that he would then mercilessly make, mercilessly make fun of in front of the people that he was introducing him to. Yeah, yeah. Charles Gunner, 5'8", 400 pounds. Oh my God. Yeah, Leonard just called him Fat Charles. That makes sense though. <laughs> it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. But every time Fat Charles visited, uh, Leonard would make him go on these really long hikes up the steepest slopes that he could find, <laughs> deliberately. Going a lot faster than Gunner could handle. It's no different than the trainers on Biggest Loser. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> kind of a Jillian Michaels type over here. Yeah, and although it seemed like Lake uh, kept Gunner around just to torture him, we'll find out in the next episode the practical purpose that Leonard Lake found for Fat Charles. But you'll just have to wait to hear about Operation Fish. Oh my God, I can't wait for Operation Fish. <laughs> this is exciting. I, uh, what was it, Operation Dookie Pants? Yeah, Brownie, no, Brownie Pockets. pockets. Brownie pockets? <laughs> my goodness, so many operations. Now, the ranch's overall reaction to Leonard's personality was mixed, to say the least. Uh, But he did manage to make one friend. With the black magic priest next door, Otter. So after hanging out a couple times, Otter told Leonard that through his occult studies of rare magical creatures, he thinks he had rediscovered a lost process for creating a unicorn. Mm -hmm. It's like an extra stupid animal house. (laughs) Isn't that Everybody's doing dumb shit on this ranch. Oh, I see. And then Gunner's the Belushi. (laughs) It's all working out. Yeah. So, yeah, Otter told him that he had rediscovered and and Otter was a hundred percent serious when he told them it's like yes through my black magic studies I have rediscovered a, a long forgotten process for creating a unicorn. The only and- one the only thing one has to do to create a unicorn, the magical beast of lore and figmentary <laughs> was to perform a simple, just simple, surgical procedure on the first hours of a goat's birth, which would then cause just one solitary horn to grow from the animal's forehead. And then it's a unicorn, can't you see? So it's the theory of, like, cut off one of the dog's legs and the other dog, uh, the other, like, kind of slowly moves to the middle? Is that, is that what it's saying? You can snap an animal's bones into any shape you like. You can? You can. Sometimes they die, but that's just the magic overtaking them over to Neverland. But you would just say it's a one-horned goat. 
Not a unicorn. Unicorn. <laughs> okay, unicorn. All right. Otter had only been able to pull this off successfully once, and so he named his unicorn goat Sir Lancelot. <laughs> oh, my God. And as soon as Leonard caught a glimpse of the animal, he, in the words of Die For Me author Don Lasseter, quote, could see unlimited potential for the seductive use of Sir Lancelot. <laughs> what a nice bunch of hippies they were. And by the way, Die For Me by Don Lasseter. Yeah, I've been used, I'm using this book for information, raw facts, but God damn, is it bad. It's just a huh. lot of side stories. It's a lot of side stories. I don't need to know the backstory of a guy that once told Lin Leonard Lake about a place that was hiring. That is in yeah. the book. This author spends two pages on the backstory of a guy that just told the point that pointed at a building and told Leonard Lake they're hiring over there. No, watch the documentary Journey in to evil that is very informative and also what a one that i'm reading right now i believe is called into the blood I, i'll put it up on the facebook page it's good it's an hour yeah. and 40 minutes long Ooh, wonderful because, uh you have developed a history of reading authors books and then taking all the information out of it and then just throwing them under the bus no i just don't what are you talking under about the bus. this it's a good book this guy you I, haven't read anything i read the cover of it dive he's got pictures on it <laughs> I love the picture. I, I mean, at the very least, I, would, I want to say this guy crushed the pictures up. Uh, but I will say the one thing that he crushed it on is this little story that I really like because Sir Lancelot, the unicorn goat, would be used to make Ch uh, Leonard's Lake's ultimate seduction come true at the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the Renaissance Fair is a very important part of the Leonard Lake story. Of course, his proposition to Otter, very simple. Hey, hey, buddy. Hey, listen. This goat, loving it. All right? Law of you made a unicorn. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take this goat. I'm gonna go to the Renaissance Fair. I'm gonna charge money for photos with the goat. I'm gonna return with profits, right? From the pictures. I'm gonna split it with you, Black Priest Otter. <laughs> Meanwhile, Black Priest Otter is just being like, that's against the tenets of black magic to accept <laughs> money for just it's it's a sacred animal. <laughs> But guess what? It fucking worked. It worked. Many times. So yeah. many times. It worked enough where he kept this scam going on and off for an entire year until the magical summer of 1980. I'm going to put it this way, guys. Remember, all right? I've heard people out there lamenting being single. But of listen, course. sometimes we just you had a thread about it. But sometimes you just mm -hmm. got to do what you love and then... Love will find you That's yeah. because right. you're you're keeping your mind on what's important. So sometimes you got to take a goat that is mutilated <laughs> to look like a unicorn out to a fair for up to a year because you know what that can find you? The perfect mate. Yes. Because someone who is in love with you and you're because uh, someone who's in love with a goat, a unicorn that is obviously a goat yeah. that has been tortured to look like a unicorn is going to love you and all of your dog shit about underground bunkers and cyanide pills. And it's going to be in the form of a woman named Clara Lynn Cricket Blast. That's right. <laughs> it's sort of the, um, the personification of if you don't love me at my worst, you won't love me at my best. So yeah. she loved this goat. Yeah. And not, not only she loved the goat and unicorn, but like the cut of Leonard Lake's jib immediately. They started like there's an <laughs> there's an exchange where she's just like, nice goat. He's like, it's a unicorn. She's like, well, something here has got a long horn. And he's just like, <laughs> uh, wink, yeah. wink, wink. And boom, they were in love. Yeah, wow. they just immediately this like weird sensual banter back and forth. She immediately moved in with them. And soon after Cricket, who she'll be known from here on out as... 
Soon after she came into his life, so too did Charles Ng, which we'll get into in disgusting detail on part two. All right, so you could you would say this is the most lighthearted of the episodes oh, that we'll yeah. be uh, discussing oh. here. Because the rest of it's pretty bleak. All right. Very <laughs> bleak. All it gets right. extremely bleak. We're going to get into some of the journals. But don't worry, we're we'll gonna... make it fun. <laughs> we'll make it fun for you. Don't even think about it. Don't think about it. Henry? You see, you're thinking about it. You, 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 you see how you're thinking about it? Yeah. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. All right, that's episode one. Yeah. Mr. Mister Lake and Charlie. I can't wait to get in and learn a lot more about Mr. Charlie here. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, it can maybe help you find a girlfriend, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't need a lot of help with that, I'll tell you. Um, all right. Oh. oh, my God, I'm getting proposed to. Gossip. Wow. Who's, who's, but no, I'm still celibate. That is by my choice, though. And that's not one of those cheesy comedian jokes. Mm. Um, uh, so <laughs> cryptic. What's that? Cryptic. Mm. Mm. All right. We have some shout outs here. Ooh. Yes, we absolutely have some shout outs. I want to get a shout out to Gary Schmidt. Happy 40th birthday, buddy. Ooh, yeah, I got the same shout out, buddy. Uh, hail Satan, it's your birthday. Um, Don't make a bunker where you keep women as slaves. No, he seems no. to be very happily married. That's great. I'm just saying both of you. <laughs> because sometimes husbands and wives do it together. You don't just don't do it. Also, I want to say happy birthday to Carly from your boyfriend, Simon Miller. I hope you guys... We're still together. <laughs> Are we just doing like a Good Morning America thing now? We're like, and happy hundredth hundredth birthday to Gloria in South Dakota. Sometimes it's nice. Yeah. Sometimes okay. it's, sometimes it's nice to be nice to the people, Ben. No, I mean I'm very happy. I'm happy. Happy birthday. That's great. Ben Sarah. <laughs> no, it's, 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 I think it's wonderful. You had a birthday. Uh, yeah, and if you guys want a last podcast on the left t-shirt for Christmas time, go to Cave Comedy Radio at G, or go to cavecomedyradio.com slash merch. The last day, we're going to be sending out t-shirts for Christmas. Uh, the very last day is December 21st, so get in your orders before December 20th if you want to get a t-shirt for your special somebody and even then it might not be guaranteed so be sure to order your t-shirt as soon as humanly possible do it now yeah because we're all we're going to be getting a lot of orders in in the next couple of months you want to be sure to get your t-shirt for your sweetheart wonderful i'm um, all right find marcus parks on twitter at marcus parks you can find henry on twitter at henry loves you i'm at ben kissel and um let's see thanks for supporting all the shows here on ccr top at roundtable page seven sex and other human activities and all the other programs hail satan Mm-hmm. Um, but just in, in, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Find joy in this holiday, even if it's going around wrecking people's fucking Christmas decorations on mm-hmm. the street. If you find, you know, find joy in ruining Christmas, don't do that. Don't do that. And if you would like a more positive view on Christmas, please listen to this week's episode of Sex and Other Human Activity. Chaos Rain. <laughs> Very nice. And when you see a goat, it's just a two horned unicorn. <laughs> oh, hail yourselves. Hey, hail me. Hail me. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.